You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Picture this. You leave your jobs in Singapore. You are financially independent. You retire early and you set off throughout Europe to live the nomadic lifestyle. And then a pandemic hits. That's the story of Stephanie and Jillian from Our Freedom Years, who are on with us today. We are going to do this interview in two segments. The first took place April 6, 2020. They were stuck, sheltering in place in, of all places, beautiful Lake Como, Italy, although it didn't feel so beautiful, I'm sure, at that time. And then the second interview takes place in Toronto, Canada, On June 25th, just a few days ago, months after they were able to leave Italy and return home. So enjoy the interviews. A technical note, when we did the first segment, they were holed up in a small condo in Lake Cuomo, Italy, and did not have the best internet connection nor mics. So imagine that they are sheltering in place in the midst of the corona storm. This is Jillian and Stephanie from Our Freedom Years, and you're listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. What happens when it stops being about money? It must have felt like the last plane out. My father-in-law had been in jail for only a short time, but it was enough to convince him to board a plane to Italy to secure American visas for his family. The year was 1979, and Iran had just been overtaken by the Ayatollah. Having worked for a company that was deemed pro-Shah, he was rounded up and thrown in jail only to be released by the mostly Shah-loyal prison guards. It took months to get the visas. In that time, my in-laws had quietly sold off everything they had ever owned, packed up their three young children, and then made the most fear-inducing and death-defying trip to the airport of their lives. There had been a pact that if one of them was detained, the other would take the children and flee to America. Alone. They had no idea what had waited them in this foreign country. There was no foreknowledge of the hardships that they would face in light of the fear and prejudice induced by the Iran hostage crisis. There was just the clear and simple truth that staying in Iran was no longer an option. It must have felt like the last plane out. They slipped by security and took a deep breath of relief as the plane crossed into international airspace. Later, they would find out from family and friends that had stayed behind that one of my father-in-law's colleagues tried to leave the very next day and was detained at the airport and never heard from again. 
Now in his 80s, my father-in-law longs to go home, the place he was born, one last time. But he dare not return to the city he fled over 40 years ago. It still seems unsafe. What happens when it stops being about money and starts being about safety, life, liberty, freedom? And speaking of protecting ourselves when life changes unexpectedly, shopping for disability insurance can be complicated, taking too much time to research and understand. At Pattern, they believe doctors have more important things to do than worry about insurance. This is why thousands of doctors across the U.S. trust them to help compare and understand the insurance they are buying. They do this in three simple steps. First, you request your quotes online. Second, you compare your options and ask questions. Third, you apply risk-free. Request your quotes today at patternlife.com slash partner slash earn and invest to be confident you have the right policy and your income is protected. You can find the link in our show notes, patternlife.com slash partner slash E-A-R-N-A-N-D-I-N-V-E-S-T. Stephanie and Jillian are a couple who saved and invested their way to financial independence and retired early from corporate careers. On their YouTube channel and blog, Our Freedom Years, they share secrets for how to achieve financial freedom and a life of slow travel. Stephanie and Jillian, so nice to have you on the show. Thanks for having us. Now, I imagine that story I just told in the introduction feels a touch familiar. Your circumstances are obviously different, but you guys made a mad dash to the airport recently, didn't you? We sure did. So we were in the midst of a very leisurely trip to Italy. And of course, we became aware of the outbreak of the coronavirus. And we knew in the north of Italy that there were a number of cases and there was wider spread concern. But we were not concerned. So we didn't really understand at that point in the middle of our trip, while we were sitting there in Florence, that this might be a situation that would affect us personally. We were heading to the south anyway, so the the outbreak was happening in the north, and even when the quarantine was called in the north, we thought, not a problem. We're going to be in the south of Italy. We'll be in Lecce. We will be fine. This is just another flu, so there's nothing for us to really be concerned about. So we had no idea at that point that the situation would escalate so quickly. So we got our first inkling when, even in the south of Italy, We went to our gym in the morning and discovered that it was closed. So they had decided to preemptively close, even though, of course, we're we're very far south, far away from from the Lombardy province. So that was our first inkling that maybe we needed to take action. Maybe we were in the wrong place. By the time we were thinking we're in the wrong place, it was already becoming too late. So we woke up in the morning and the national quarantine had struck. We woke up the next morning, borders were closing. So we knew that we needed to get out of Italy. There there are a number of reasons for doing that. We didn't know how this might personally affect us. We didn't know if we would have trouble later leaving. We thought, time is now, let's make a move. So as soon as we decided that we needed to leave, we looked to see where could we go. And we discovered that borders were already closing to the countries around us. And we booked a ticket for the very next day to fly to Budapest because Hungary was still open. And we thought, okay, if we can be flying off tomorrow at 6 a.m., which is when our flight was booked, that we should be okay. We should be able to get out. 
So we threw everything we had into bags. We made our way to sleep in a hotel near the airport, which was a couple hours away from where we were. And we got a call in the middle of the night, just three hours before we were going to wake up and head to the airport with our parents saying, the borders have closed. You're not going to be able to leave. Like, what's your plan? So we we quickly checked online. Sure enough, our flight had been canceled. And we, at that point, just weren't really sure what to do. Our options for leaving Italy at that point seemed pretty much unavailable. So we fortunately recall that we had a friend with a beautiful holiday home at Lake Como. So we were able to reach him. It was midnight where we were in Italy, but fortunately he was in North America and it was still a good time to call. And we were quickly able to make arrangements to stay at his home for an indefinite period of time while we were struggling to make our plans. So we were able to organize train ride the next day. So we were at the train station, 7.30 a.m., a train for nine hours to end up in Lake Como, where we were able to take shelter, take stock of our lives, take stock of the situation, and decide our next steps. And Stephanie, Lake Como at that time was one of the hot zones. In fact, people were fleeing as you were trying to get in. Is that right? That is true. And it might seem a little strange that we would head sort of right into the the epicenter. But in fact, we knew that his place was very isolated. We are in a tiny little village. There's hardly anybody around. And we were able to get stocked up with a few weeks worth of groceries and and really self-isolate here for this period of time. So although on paper, it might seem a little bit odd, it was in fact really the safest place for us to be. So that was why we came here. That said, it's still a very stressful place to be because we are seeing the daily headlines. So the villages, the cities in this area, the the mortality rate obviously is very high. And we are hearing ambulance sirens every single day. So we're in a little bit of a ghost town here because no one is out on the streets. The quarantine is very strict in this area. So as comfortable as we are and as safe as we are, um, it, it is actually, there's an underlying anxiety to being here. Now, Jillian, I've started at the end of the story. Let's go to the beginning. You guys are both from Canada, but somehow ended up in Singapore. Is that right? We were actually in Singapore working as expats for the past six years, almost seven years ago was the time when we left Canada. And at that point, we wanted to see the world. We wanted to work somewhere outside of Canada. So we decided that the expat path was for us. And we headed off to Singapore, where we were working corporate jobs for the last six years. And Stephanie, why not just stay in Singapore? It sounds like you guys had these really successful corporate jobs. Why not lean in as opposed to deciding to do this slow travel thing? Absolutely. Going to Singapore was a dream opportunity. We were able to travel and we were able to build a whole new community there. And it was just a beautiful place to live. So why did we not stay there? Well, the truth is that after many years working in Singapore, I was very career focused the entire time. So I never had any thought. I had no conception that there was something like giving up your job to travel the world. That never entered my mind. But I was very focused on buckling down at work and trying to climb the corporate ladder. And the opportunities were great in Singapore. It's a dynamic growth market. There's lots to do there, lots of ways to build your career. So it just had never really occurred to me to do anything else. However, 
as I grew in my career, as I took on more senior roles, I found that I was under so much pressure. I was so stressed. And I had one year in particular where I worked every weekend, every evening. I was just a, a grind. And every time I looked up from my computer on a Saturday morning and I saw this beautiful tropical destination just outside, I thought there has to be a better way. So it was really after going through a period of, of true burnout at work and being ready to have a conversation, I, I finally opened the dialogue with Jillian, who had been ready the entire time to try something different. So Jillian, put this in perspective for me. Stephanie's talking about work is getting more complicated. She's starting to question what she's doing with her life. When did this idea of financial independence come into play? How did you discover it? And what was the process in which it became part of your thought process? For some reason, I think maybe it goes all the way back to my time in the military so when I was, you know, just coming out of university, we knew that at 20 years, uh, we could receive a pension in 20 years. And so even from that young age, the idea of retiring early was kind of in the back of my mind. So although I didn't stay in the military through all those years, it was that seed had been planted very early on. And so as I was working, I was always thinking, you know, is, is this something that I could consider? How could I go about you know, stepping away from my desk. And so I had kind of raised this with Stephanie, but she always said to me, like, what, what is it that you want to do? Like, what is wrong with this life that we're living? As she mentioned, getting more burnt out at that time, I started floating the idea more. And at the same time, I kind of discovered this financial independence community that was talking about these things more openly. And when she saw that there were other people, relatable people who ha were having similar thoughts, that also really helped her come around to it as well. And Jillian, you know, people talk about financial independence in a lot of different ways. People, some people define it as 25 times your yearly spending. Other people define it as having passive income that equals your monthly needs. What definition were you using when you decided that you were getting close enough to financial independence to leave your jobs? So before we could even figure out sort of in those terms, I think the first thing we needed to do was to come up with a vision for our lives post our working life, because we were living in a very high cost of living place. And so if we were to take our current cost of living and then do 25 times that, you know, that, that just was not going to be something that we could reach in the foreseeable future. So the first step was really to figure out what it was we wanted to do during our retirement and then work back from there. So in terms of how we actually define financial independence, we see it as being in a position where the returns on our investments cover our lifestyle, they cover all of our monthly expenses, and also account for fluctuations in inflation and fluctuations in return. So we do take a very conservative approach. So we're not using the 25 times annual amount. We're, we're using something higher that we can feel a little bit more comfortable with in the long term. And Stephanie, talk about this conservative approach a little bit more. We had been up until very recently at the top of a peak market. Most people were guessing a recession was coming, you know, even if we hadn't had this pandemic. Were you guys being even extra conservative on top of that? So I think that one of, one of the 
key things in terms of our overall financial planning was that we wanted our day-to-day living expenses to be funded from returns on fixed income investments. So that means we knew that regardless of the performance of equities in, in the short term, we knew that we would have uh, cash flow coming in similar to how our salaries used to come in. So that way we could be you know, taking the, the longer picture when it comes to the performance of, of the, the stock market. So you guys both had mentioned that it wasn't just a matter of dollars and cents, but there was some question of what your ideal life would look like after you had left your jobs. How did you decide on what that was? Did you have a model that kind of pointed you towards slow travel? We had always wanted to see the world. I think that's something that you hear a lot within the financial independence community. I think there are a lot of people with uh, a strong interest in travel. So from sitting in Canada, wishing that I had a more international job that would be somehow a gateway to seeing the world. So so we were able to achieve that. And then once we moved to Singapore, we knew we would never retire there in the end because, of course, we that would be too far away from our friends and our families or we would eventually want to support. So whatever retirement would, would look like, it would be something different. And of course, we still had that very strong interest in traveling. We had gone through Southeast Asia. We had been able to visit parts of North Asia through the time that we were expats in Singapore. So all of this was leading up to a vision of life where we could be more fully experiencing the world. And as we researched what was possible, we could see ourselves spending a life of slow travel. So we could be exploring the world slowly, you know, taking it in country by country and really having a chance to appreciate different cultures and and different environments. Jillian, was there any thought at all of just going back to Canada and settling? I mean, a lot of people, especially in the United States, look at Canada as a prime place to retire early, especially with some of the healthcare benefits and retirement savings benefits. Was there any even thought to just going back to Canada and staying there? So Canada is a beautiful country, a country that I love. But to be honest, it was quite far from my mind that I would, you know, immediately go back to Canada and settle there. As much as I miss my family and friends, it's been wonderful having them actually come and spend time with us as we've been in different places. So the geographic difference hasn't actually been a barrier. In fact, it's really, I think, broadened the horizons for many of our family and friends. And so the opportunity to be able to experience different places other than Canada, where I have already spent you know, nearly 30 years of my life, has really been the, the path that we have chosen for the first phase of our, our retirement. So Stephanie, talk to me a little bit about what the first five months of slow travel were like. You made the huge decision. You left your jobs. You were doing your best to live your best lives. Tell us about the first five months. The first five months were so exciting. So I, I did agonize. I will be honest. I, I was very concerned about what it would feel like to step away from the workplace. For so long, I had looked to my career to provide all of that validation in life. So we were now stepping into something new. We were constructing new identities. It was going to be a post-work identity. And we were also doing it in these very interesting circumstances where we would be moving from country to country and culture to culture. 
I, so I was worried. I, I wasn't sure how I would feel. I wasn't sure if I would miss the office. Would I, would I miss having colleagues and meetings and emails? Well, it turns out I miss none of that. So the, the moment that we stepped foot in our first destination, which was Krakow, Poland, I'll never forget that feeling of excitement and freedom and liberation that we were, we were finally doing it. And in fact, each time we've landed in a new country, that excitement comes back. So we feel like very much on the right path because we just feel so engaged with this life that we're leading and, and so excited by every new step that we're taking. So Jillian, in a lot of ways, it sounds like you had, in a sense, arrived. I, I think so. And, and we're kind of in a perpetual state of arriving as we continue on in this journey. So Stephanie, you were living, you know, quote unquote, your best lives. You were having this excitement, seeing these new countries. Can you remember when this idea of the coronavirus first started entering your consciousness? So we were in Florence. So we were just midway through our two-month trip in Italy. So we planned to have the first month, February, in Florence, and then the second month in Lecce. And the coronavirus, although we didn't feel it was in any way going to affect us personally as a virus, we were concerned because we were expecting that my father would join us in Italy. And all of the the cases that were coming up were causing a lot of discussion. He did not want to travel. He was very concerned about it. We couldn't understand, oh, you know, it's just another type of flu. So it was a topic of discussion. But again, we, we had no idea how it might impact our lives in such a, a huge way. And in fact, we were all the way, we had finished our time in Florence, we moved down to Lecce, still very naive, still thinking, oh, we're just continuing our little trip here in Italy, and then eventually we are going to move on to Croatia and explore the Balkans. So we had everything very nicely mapped out, and we were honestly quite puzzled that my father didn't seem to want to get on a plane and come to Italy to meet us. Jillian, it was hard to take it seriously in the beginning, wasn't it? I mean, I know in the United States... It seemed like the first month or so of information we were getting just didn't seem to position it as that major of a deal. It it really was. And looking back, I I do feel pretty foolish, but who could know uh, when we first started hearing the cases what a massive impact it was going to have? Stephanie, talk to me about that moment where you all of a sudden realized things were serious. Was there an immediate sense of regret that maybe this nomadic lifestyle was a little more difficult than you thought it was going to be? Yeah, and I remember the exact moment when I realized that we might have made a mistake being here in Italy. So we had moved to Lecce down in the south of Italy, as I mentioned, and we were just setting up our normal slow travel routine. So whenever we land in a new city, we take a couple days to you know, stock up the fridge with groceries. And then we always book a month in a local gym so we can keep up with our fitness routine. So one morning I trotted off to the gym. It was locked up and there was a huge sign in Italian, which I translated on my app. And I discovered that they were preemptively closed because of concerns that they could not protect their staff or their customers with the the virus. 
even though the quarantine was only up in the north. And that's when I realized, wait a second, this is directly affecting us now. Have we made a mistake? What are we doing here? Are we going to be able to leave? When should we leave? So all of a sudden, everything was quickly unraveling. And in fact, even though we started to, at this point, make decisions or even you know come to agreement on what should be our next step, we always seem to be too late. So just as we were saying, okay, maybe we should go to another country, the borders started to close. Maybe we should get a flight. Flights are being canceled. So we always seem to be behind a few steps. Although, to be honest, this all happened in a matter of days. So it's hard to imagine how we could have reacted much more quickly, but it just escalated so quickly. Jillian, was there this sense of being a foreigner in a foreign land? I mean, it's different when you're facing these things on your home turf, where you feel at least the full protection of your friends, family, and the government, but you guys were out there on your own. Yeah, so I think uh, part of the challenge was getting the right information, so figuring out what, what are the local sources that we should be consulting. By the time you're getting the information from maybe your own consulate, you know, there's, there's going to be a delay there. So, you know, we were looking at things using Translate, doing what we could to figure out really what was happening. But, but definitely it was more challenging to be in a foreign place trying to figure things out. I, I will give a quick example of how that played out. Here in Lake Como, we needed to get some groceries. We had to go to the grocery store without knowing what any of the requirements, the, the, the very specific requirements might be. And we discovered that one of the things you need in order to go grocery shopping now in Italy are masks. And we had nothing of the sort. Moreover, masks are completely sold out at this point. You can't get a mask here by Lake Como now. So Jillian was able to go into the grocery store by bundling some fabric around her face. But it was quite a, a heated discussion with all the locals standing in front because they were trying to translate for us and help us understand what we needed to do in order just to be able to buy some groceries. And we realized that if we were at least, you know, in a country with our own language, we we wouldn't be caught out in this way, that we would be more capable of taking care of ourselves. Jillian, when you had been planning this life of slow travel, I'm sure you spent a lot of time worrying about the economic viability How much time did you plan or think about your safety in the process? Was that something you guys spent a lot of time thinking about before you took off in the first place? I don't know if we spent any time thinking about it, which in retrospect seems pretty foolish, but, you know, we were going to be traveling in Europe. So we thought, what what do we really need to worry about? So, yeah, definitely caught off guard. We do have travel and medical insurance, of course. So our safety is of concern, at least to me. (laughs) Jillian may be a little more cavalier about it. One of the reasons that I have been so concerned about being here at Lake Como, so even though we are safe and we're very comfortable and we're in beautiful surroundings, if anything happened to us here, so if if we somehow got exposed to the virus, if we had any sort of accident, if we tripped and fell while walking our dogs, we would have very um, little ability to take care of ourselves. We don't have a car here. We're quite far away from any sort of doctor. There's really very limited ways for us 
to receive medical attention. And we also, again, we don't speak the language. So suddenly being here, it makes me certainly feel a lot more vulnerable to what normally when you're traveling, those are sort of routine things that don't bother you as much because if you know, if you do have an accident, you know, you can typically get care anywhere you are and navigate through the, the healthcare system. Jillian Stephanie is talking about vulnerability, but in a sense, from listening to your videos and reading your blog posts, it almost sounds like getting to Lake Cuomo gave you a real sense of relief. Like finally, you at least had arrived somewhere that you could wait this out. It, it definitely gave us a sense of relief. And, you know, we had we had time here to kind of take stock of the whole situation and, and really watch the, the situation uh, evolve because our initial thought when the lockdown in Italy began was, okay, we just need to stay here until the borders reopen and we can continue our travel. Well, now, a few weeks later, we realize that is not going to happen anytime soon. So it's also been a time for us to consider our plans for the next foreseeable future and figure out what are our next steps. Stephanie, elaborate on that, what Julian is saying. What are your next steps and how do you think travel is going to be different for you even as the borders open up? How are you going to think about this differently? Two great questions. So I'll start with our next steps. So we um, we have been feeling very safe and comfortable here, although, as I mentioned, a little isolated, a little concerned about what the future might bring. Just as a side note, one of the reasons it's so hard for us to make any quick moves as travelers is because we're also traveling with our two little dogs. So we weren't able to just you know, land here at Lake Como and then quickly turn around and attempt to get on the next flights out. Um, we, we also have two dogs that we're carting around with us. So all of the decisions that we make need to be very carefully weighed and we need to look at how can we make any travel we have as seamless as possible. So after spending a couple of weeks here, we recognize that borders everywhere are indeed closing. So as foreign nationals, we can't just merrily continue with our travels once things in Italy calm down a little bit. In fact, we have to make a bigger decision about where we can go. Fortunately, there's one country that will always welcome us, and that is Canada. So we we realize that although our, our desire is to continue our, our slow travels, because we're really in the honeymoon phase of our early retirement, in fact, it is time for us to return to Canada. So we are heading off. We were able to book flights, which, you know, required quite a lot of online research, but we were able to get them and we're able to go back home to Canada where we can take care of ourselves better and also be available to our families as they may need us. So that is our short-term plan. We're hoping that that covers the next two to three months, but of course we have to see how the global situation unfolds. In the long term, how this is going to change travel for us, I mean, I can only imagine it's going to change it quite dramatically. Even when borders do open up, we need to be mindful that that does not mean that that we are safe and immune from from ongoing outbreaks of the virus. So we have to question, you know, where we will be, if it's the right place for us, and also how we would want to interact with those local cultures, which I think will look very different versus, you know, before we we were dealing with this virus. 
In the first half of the show, Stephanie and Jillian talk about trying to escape Italy in the midst of a pandemic. After the break, we talk about how world events have affected their post-retirement plans. But first... All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is... There's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Shopping for disability insurance is complicated enough. Wondering if you are getting the best prices and discounts while in training can make the process even more overwhelming. At Pattern, they simplify disability insurance for busy doctors so they can feel confident they have the right policy and their income is protected. Getting coverage while you are still in training could save you thousands over your career, so don't miss out on these training program discounts for residents and fellows. Get started today by requesting free quotes at PatternLife.com slash partner slash earn and invest and be confident you have the right policy at the best price. You can find the link in our show notes. PatternLife.com slash partner slash E-A-R-N-A-N-D-I-N-V-E-S-T. Jillian, although out of your control, does returning to Canada feel like a failure? Definitely not. So as we were discussing earlier, we've been away from Canada for seven years now. And this, we, we do look at this as an opportunity to be able to spend longer time face-to-face with our families and friends. So although it wasn't our plan to return back at this exact moment, I'm definitely looking, looking forward to it from, from that perspective. Stephanie, we in the financial independence community love to talk about geo-arbitrage. We love to talk about slow travel. Has this pandemic thing rained on our parade? Certainly, the world of today looks a lot different than the one we were espousing a year ago. We are all about geographic arbitrage and slow travel. That was our entire angle. So when we talk to everyone about our early retirement, we 
you know, we, we painted in these wonderful colors. Oh, we're going to spend, you know, the first couple of years in these low cost countries and we're really going to make our dollars stretch. Well, our dollar is no longer stretching because as we sit down and we look at the Airbnb listings for Toronto, where we will be for the next couple of months, we can quickly see that geographic arbitrage from that perspective has come to a halt. However, there are a lot of ways that we can work around this. So what is working in our favor is that we are actually still very flexible. We are travelers at heart. Canada is a big country. So once we have our initial landing in Toronto, and as we see how this unfolds, our, our expectation, our hope is if we are still in Canada, that we can take that time to explore other parts of the country, less expensive parts of the country than, than Toronto. So that is the approach that we're going to be taking. Jillian, how is your emergency fund? I mean, is there a possibility that this unexpected turn of events plus a global economic recession could send you back to work? I don't foresee us having to go back to work. We certainly do have an emergency fund in place. So, you know, we, we I think we're quite uh, conservative and have our risk management uh, protocols in place. So hopefully not. I think if we did have to earn some income, then, you know, we are still, you know, able-bodied people. So we're open to be flexible, but that's definitely not something that we foresee having to, having to do. Maybe just to add on to that, we, we did plan for our early retirement that it would be a phased approach. So we expected the first couple of years to be relatively frugal. We wanted to, you know, make the best use of our dollars. And then later on in life, we would have probably higher expenses, maybe have things that are a little bit more comfortable, maybe account for more health care as needed. So with that approach, we, we feel that we can work within our existing budget and still be comfortable. So Stephanie, to summarize, you'll have to pivot, but this won't derail your early retirement plans. Absolutely. I, being in Canada, I, I think there's a lot of country there to explore. So if, if that ends up being our focus for the next number of months, happy to have it. But ultimately, we do hope to get back on the road again. So Jillian, we in the personal finance community love to talk about black swan events as rarities that most of us will probably never live through or see. Would you call this global pandemic a black swan event? I think so. I mean, the impact that even even so far and then projecting to, to the future is something that, I mean, I've never seen in, in my lifetime. So I think definitely you would have to call this a black swan event. And Stephanie, knowing that you're living through this, that your economic as well as physical safety have somewhat come into question, and yet you still seem to be thriving and having a plan, does this make you even more confident in your early retirement plans? Well, we do, we do feel fairly confident that we have a strategy that works for us. So I think I think generally we we feel that we are positive people. We want to take things in stride. To be honest, we love a challenge. So for every problem that this issue has thrown to us, we've tried our best to sort of unlock it, solve it, figure out another way. So we just try to take every challenge as an opportunity. And, and this is no different. And Jillian, a funny question, but if you had you know, a crystal ball. And while you were still in Singapore, 
could have seen what was coming with the global pandemic, what would you have done? Would you have stayed in Singapore and kept your jobs or would you have gone back to Canada? You know, this last five months has been so wonderful. I, I wouldn't give it up for anything. And so no regrets about making the decision to cut off when we did. And I guess maybe the only thing I would do differently is maybe, you know, not book that Airbnb in Leches and, you know, we had to walk away. <laughs> and Stephanie, do you think travel will be different for you in the future? Do you think you'll take any extra steps or precautions that you hadn't thought about before, assuming that everything eventually loosens up and we go back to quote unquote life as normal? I think we're really going to have to very carefully consider the countries that we go to in the future. So even once the situation has normalized to a degree where borders are opening up again, countries are welcoming tourists again, we'll just have to consider, you know, if we were in this country and something happened, you know, could we access the help that we need or could we leave relatively easily. So of course, it's going to change things. I mean, it's changed things all the way through to interpersonal relationships at this point. So it will be interesting to see what emerges. And, you know, we, we, we hope to be in a position to to get back out there again and, and do it with a positive attitude. And Jillian, do you think that less people will pursue the kind of geo-arbitrage, slow travel lifestyle in the future, even if things get better? Do you think this has ruined it for a certain percentage of that population? I honestly, I think that any sort of reduction will be on the shorter term and that over time that the total people who are interested will probably go back know, in the direction it has. That said, uh, I think like, like Stephanie said, people will need to think a little bit more about where they're going and, you know, the situation in, in the different, different countries. And that may play a, play a factor into, you know, the, the direction that their geo-arbitrage takes. Stephanie, how do you think in general, the financial independence retire early community will be affected by this global recession? Do you think it will cause the community to contract? I think there's going to be a lot more interest in the idea of being more resilient and being more self-sufficient in your finances. So I would expect that more people would be interested in understanding, is there another route to being independent versus going through a typical corporate job or other other means? So I, I would hope and expect that people are actually more interested. Jillian, do you agree? Do you think this will eventually spark more interest in the financial independence retire early community? I think so, because I think that since the last recession, I think that was one of the triggers for the growth over the last several years of this movement. And so I think this will just continue to fuel that uh, desire to for people to kind of have more control over their over their financial. And so I think that's what we'll see. Stephanie, assuming this does at some point clear up and you guys are able to leave Canada, what are the top few countries you're hoping to get to after you're able to travel freely again? Well, we have this wonderful itinerary already planned out for the Balkans. So that's what we hope to pick back up again. So we have a few countries that we're interested in seeing. So Croatia, Montenegro, uh, Bulgaria, um, the list goes on. So the question for us would be, you know, which order, which one will let us in first? That's what we're wanting to see. 
And of course, keeping our eye on the conditions, you know, when it's you know safe and appropriate to do so. But yeah, definitely the the original places that we wanted to go are still still high up on our list. Were you guys able to get refunds for all the money you had put down for the places you were going to stay and the airline tickets? Actually, we were. It's been quite incredible. All all the airlines, trains, everyone has refunded, and even some Airbnb hosts who did not have to refund. We had one case in particular where she just refunded out of the goodness of her heart, you know, understanding the situation that everyone was in. And so, you know, it's been quite heartwarming and, you know, we've kept in touch with her and hope that we're able to stay at her place at some point in the future. Stephanie, talk to me a little bit about your YouTube channel. Why did you start it and what kind of information are you trying to impart to listeners? Sure. So we, for myself, I think we had a couple different reasons for starting it, but for myself, um, I I was worried about going from a very busy working career to just travel. I thought that doesn't sound quite difficult enough. I should add something in that's totally new where I have to just learn so much stuff and, and make sure that my life is full enough. So I was able to do that by adding in the YouTube channel. Um, there, the other reason, of course, was because as we were getting ready to, to leave Singapore and begin this life of travel, we started telling our friends and our families and everyone was very new to the concept of financial dependence and retiring early and even the thought that you could slow travel for, for, for months and for years. And we realized that there was definitely some interest in this topic. The other reason we wanted to start it is because it can get a little lonely out there as a nomad. Um, so as exciting as it is to be in new countries and you know meeting new people, it, the important thing is to also feel like you have a sense of community. And that is something that you can build virtually now. So the having the channel gives us an opportunity to actually build up our own little community within the financial independence, retire early, and also the, the sort of nomadic living space. So that's really helped us feel connected even as we move from one new place to another. Jillian, you guys have been doing the YouTube channel now for a bunch of months. What have you learned? What do you like about it? And what don't you like so much about YouTubing? Yeah, so we've been putting out one video a week for the last six months. So gotten a fair bit of experience with it. And I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most was the last point that Stephanie mentioned about building community. We've actually started to really make some connections based on it, even meeting up with some people face-to-face on the road. So that part has really come through for us and, and is definitely one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this as well. I I guess the the part that maybe on some days I can tend to complain a little bit about is, you know, I would rather be out hiking than you know, spending that, you know, a few hours to edit that video. But to be honest, the amount of time is, you know, very little compared to the the rewards of, of the experience. So Stephanie and Jillian, it's been wonderful having you on. I hope that you are safe, stuck there in beautiful Lake Cuomo and that your trip to Canada goes well. But before we close off, I'd like to ask you guys the question that I ask everyone on the show, which is what is up next in your life and where can we find you on the internet? So in terms of finding us on the internet, we are live on social channels. So it's under our freedom years. You can find us on YouTube, 
Instagram and Twitter. So all great ways to reach out and get in touch. And we love to hear from people, as we said, because for us, ultimately, this really helps us build a sense of community and connectedness as we're on the road. In terms of what is up next for us, so we are going to be in yet another isolation in Canada for the next couple of weeks. So I believe we'll be producing even more content because we will have the time to reflect and to create. So that is what people can look for from us. Yeah, there's nothing better than lots of free time when it comes to creating content. Absolutely. This has been the Earn and Invest podcast. On behalf of myself, I'd like to thank Stephanie and Jillian from Our Freedom Years. That's a wrap. You know what I love? I love feedback. So I want to give a big shout out to those of you who've taken the time to leave reviews on iTunes and Stitcher and letting me know what you think about the show. One in particular was put on this week by SDG12. He writes or she writes. I don't know which one it is. I love that Doc G really allows his guests freedom to discuss topics that are of significance to them. I think he's a really insightful interviewer. He has had some absolutely amazing discussions with some phenomenal guests. This is definitely a podcast worth subscribing to. Well, thank you, SDG12. I really put a lot of thought into who I have on the show, and then I try to think up questions that really get to the bottom of what they think on whatever issue we're talking about that day. But I also try to follow their lead, and no matter how well I've planned for this conversation, sometimes they'll say things that absolutely amaze or stun me. And it's those conversations I want to make sure I have. So I put a lot of preparation into each episode, but I also try to get a feel for the guest and go where the conversation takes us. Either way, I appreciate the feedback, and I hope you continue enjoying the Earn and Invest podcast. Now back to the show. So we are back with Stephanie and Jillian from Our Freedom Years. If you listen to the last segment, we recorded that on April 6, 2020. So now we are sitting here as of June 25th, 2020, and life has changed. First and foremost, Stephanie and Jillian, where are you in the world today? We are back in Canada, in Toronto, which is where we grew up. And uh, so we've been here ever since just a few days after we spoke with you when we made our trip back to Canada. You had a fairly harrowing trip to Lake Cuomo, Italy. Stephanie, tell us and remind us a little bit. That was not your plan to end up in Lake Cuomo, was it? No, not at all. We had planned to spend some lovely weeks in the town of Lecce in Italy. And then we were going to hop on a very pleasant ferry and make our way to Croatia. So it was going to be Croatia and then Montenegro and then the rest of the Balkans. But of course, none of that came to pass. Uh, so instead, we, we, as an emergency, we found ourselves suddenly in Lake Como taking advantage of a kindly friend's vacation home and stayed there for a month. And then finally, with some trepidation, nervous about the flights and about connections, we made our way back to Canada. So to give some context, Stephanie and Jillian were in Lecce, Italy, when the pandemic really hit its stride in Italy. This is back in April. And your best choice was to rush into the worst of the pandemic to go to Lake Como, Italy, because you had a place to stay. This was about six months into your nomadic lifestyle. Uh, you guys had been living in Singapore, had made the audacious decision to leave your jobs and to set out in the world. 
Jillian, tell me a little bit about how this felt. You had built up this idea of traveling, of living your best lives, so to speak, and the world got in the way of it. Did you feel a little bit of sadness as you got on that plane to go back to Canada? We definitely felt, you know, some some tinges, uh, you know, the thought of our, our plans now suddenly being switched to something else. But, um, you know, I think we really r- rolled with things. I think mostly what we were focusing on was how grateful we were to be able to have a way back and that we would be able to get back. You know, many travelers were stranded in places that they really couldn't get back from. So I think the fact that we were going to be back with our family and have time with our family over the summer, these were all things that helped us just stay optimistic through the, through the whole thing. So Stephanie, you get off the plane. I'm sure there's some relief there. You start integrating back into life in Canada, which you hadn't been there in years. Was there a moment where you're like, well, what do we do now? (laughs) There are many moments like that. So one day we are taking in the last of really, I think it was the most beautiful view we'd ever had in an apartment. We were enjoying Lake Como in the spring Everything was coming to life. It was t-shirt weather. It it was wonderful. It was very isolated, of course, and we were concerned about, you know, all the issues, not being able to access if we needed any medical attention, being in the heartland of the pandemic. Um, So many issues, but of course, such a beautiful place. The next day, we, we find ourselves in Canada in April. And I guess all the years away in Singapore, I had totally forgotten what that is like because it's not really, I mean, they say it's springtime here. It's not springtime. So we suddenly went from spring in Italy to sub-zero temperatures and light flurries in Toronto. We were also, we had to go through our 14 days of quarantine. So even though we were back, we actually really couldn't see anyone. So we had to hunker down and wait out that time. So the reintegration was a bit bumpier. And of course, the emotional side of it, you know, wondering, wait a second, what happens now? We've made all these plans, we had this life, you know, what do we do from this point forward? Because we don't know when travel is going to open up again. Is this one month? Is this three months? Are we looking at a year? I mean, we really didn't know at that point. So there was a lot of soul searching in those first few weeks. I was about to say, Stephanie, did you even have a jacket? (laughs) Were you ready for that weather? (laughs) No, we were not. Fortunately, our dogs had some little coats and we did have some very light winter wear. But to be perfectly honest with you, we hadn't encountered weather that cold for years. So we were we were just uh, we couldn't believe it. We're like, is this Canada? Is this what it's like in the spring? Fortunately, just, you know, a few weeks in, finally spring came around and the last couple months have been really pleasant and we're, yeah, just really enjoying experiencing summer in Toronto, which we haven't in seven years. Jillian, talk to me a little bit about the economic realities. You guys had probably a good idea of what your budget would be for the countries you were going to travel to. There are parts of Canada that are quite expensive what are your economic realities today in Canada compared to what they were when you were on the road? Toronto is uh, Canada's most expensive city. Vancouver is also quite expensive, but we knew coming back that our our the constraints on our budget would be a little bit different. Now, we have managed to keep our spending basically at our budget, but that has looked very different in Canada as compared with all the other places we've been. Now, of course, 
we wouldn't have had the option to be going out and doing a lot of different things, basically spending money in Toronto. But uh, we're, you know, coming up against our, our maximum budget just by spending on the basics, like our accommodations, food. And I mean, that's basically what we're spending our money on. The good news for us, not so much for landlords, is the Airbnb rental rates really took a dive and were able to pay basically normal market rates for rent in this city, even though it is a short-term rental. So we did quite well in terms of the price, but it still is more than we've spent in any of the other places that we've traveled uh, in terms of the accommodation costs. Our friends Bryce and Christy from Millennial Revolution, I believe, have written about that too, how strangely enough, the one thing that did change is the Airbnb market in Canada is much more reasonable. Stephanie, are you in your hometown right now? Are you in the neighborhood that you guys used to live in before you left? More than that, we're actually in the neighborhood that I grew up in as a child. So we took advantage of coming back to be really close to family. Um, That was something that was really important to us. So we wanted to be just around the corner and very much available and present for people. So yeah, it's been, I'll admit it's a bit odd. We've moved from a couple Airbnbs in the same area, sort of taking advantage as as the Airbnb market continued to um, do well for us, we shifted. But it was a very odd thing, again, coming back from Italy, coming back from my exciting life plans and to be literally across the street from where I went to elementary school. Jillian, talk a little bit about the surprises of abandoning the nomadic lifestyle. Any pleasant surprises about actually having a home base and not being constantly on the move? You know, Stephanie mentioned that we have moved through a few different Airbnbs. And I almost want to say that that we're at least having that bit of novelty, you know, of moving every month. So that's like that little, you know, bit of our nomad lifestyle we, we've managed to, to maintain. To be honest, I, I do see this as a temporary situation. We don't know how long uh, that we that we will won't be able to be nomadic, but I'm not thinking of it as oh this is I'm completely having to give this up for the rest of my life. So I haven't really felt the need to have you know a real emotional response in in, in that sense. It's just more we're we're kind of dealing with things as they come. We're obviously um, you know watching the news, really trying to understand the global situation, and also you know just what is what is the right thing to do at any given time, we want to do the right thing, but also do the right thing for us. So, you know, weighing all the different factors. Stephanie, when we had our last conversation, there was also talk about once you got into Canada, maybe you would be able to do some travel within the country. Is that something that's still on the table? What are the restrictions right now? <laughs> well, the the major restriction is that once we did return to Canada and reunited with our families after being away for so long, interestingly, they didn't want us to go anywhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so we, you know, we did think, oh, you know, maybe we'll see more of Canada. You know, we we haven't seen the whole country yet. But in fact, as soon as we arrived, we we saw we had an important role to play here in providing support to our families. We did consider many options, though, uh, especially as the, you know, the headlines continue to roll in for the past few months. It's a very quickly evolving situation when it comes to the travel bans and, and who's allowed in which country at what time. So we considered if we're going to be stuck here, 
what else can we do to ensure that our lives still have a lot of adventure and excitement? So, you know, we talked about, do we, do we go off into the wilderness and build the tiny home of our dreams? Do we get a camper and travel all across Canada? Um, but in the end, what felt right was to just, you know, be in the neighborhood close to family and be in a position where we can eventually resume our European travels. Jillian, Stephanie used the term stuck, but you guys also refer to this idea of family. And for the people I know who've either utilized geo-arbitrage or the nomadic lifestyle, one of the downsides is constantly being away from family. Any second guessing your future plans just on how nice it is to be around relatives and friends? So I guess we we get this bit of a feeling of being stuck mainly because we're used to having a choice and you know being able to move freely. So really it's it's that's the main thing that gives us that feeling, but certainly this chance to reconnect with family and not on such a pressured basis. You know, we have we have um had many opportunities to see family over the past years, but it's always been on these sort of time limited two week, three week kind of thing. So having this longer period of time has been really nice, you know, much less compressed. We're not stuck on the idea that, oh, we are going to be nomadic forever or we're going to move at a certain pace forever. It's really something that needs to evolve over the years based on how we feel, based on, you know, family circumstances. Yeah, we, we just have to go with what feels right for us and for our families at the time. I will say that many of our family members are are very adventurous. They love travel. My father in particular, he started traveling to uh, Southeast Asia every year after we moved out there and he's continued to do it. He was even there. He was actually almost caught by by the virus as well. He had to fly back early through through Korea from Thailand. So now he's already talking about, oh, well, you know, if travel's possible next winter, who knows, maybe we can meet up. So, you know, same goes with with other people. We, we do enjoy spending time with, with our family members on the road as well. Although it's not quite the same, like I said, time always is limited. The good news is most of our family, our parents in particular, are retired. And so they do have more time that we can can spend. Um, definitely, the we've talked many times about, oh, wouldn't it be lovely, like have a villa for a month or more and, and have all our family come in and spend time with us. So yeah, these are all ideas that we uh, mull over. Stephanie, let's move over to content creation. The platform and brand, Our Freedom Years, is a financial platform. It is a place where you talk about financial independence, but it is sprinkled with exotic locations (laughs) and (laughs) pictures and video from your travel. How has content creation changed without being able to travel? Has it made it harder to produce videos? Well, it's made us really drill down on, <laughs> on you know, making sure we're being very thorough in our financial topics, um, but also it's forced us to get outside a little bit and capture some of the interesting areas of Toronto that we do want to share with our international audience. So we have viewers from all over and hopefully some of them think that Toronto might be a slightly exotic location. You never know. Um, but definitely we're we're anticipating the time when we can be sharing our new destinations. So in terms of our future plans, we do expect to be going back to Europe within the next two or three months. So we're hoping that at that time we can be re-expanding into some of the more interesting locations that people are you know, also very hungry to see. 
Jillian, talk about that a little bit. Let's say the travel ban, everything clears up tomorrow. Would you just go and resume where you left off? Or now that you've had some time to think about it, are there certain locales you're like, I have to go to immediately? We're definitely still interested in the same part of the world that we were. We had plans to be slow traveling through the Balkans, um, and that remains something that we want to do. I think right now, of course, we need to be mindful of you know, what what are infection rates like in a place? And we know that we'll need to be traveling even slower now. We're planning to be spending, you know, at least a couple months in each country and just watching and adapting our, our approach as the situation evolves. So uh, it, it is going to impact our, our travel for sure. But in kind of the broad terms, not not a complete pivot away from what our original plan was. Stephanie, let's look forward to a year from now. Where do you guys think you'll be? A year from now, I wonder where we'll be. So actually, it's one of the big lessons that we learned from the past six months, plus dealing with the pandemic and then a sudden recession, is that we need to be a lot more flexible and stop planning ahead so far. So when we started off on our journey, I can tell you that we literally had every step of it planned out solidly. And we found ourselves in the position of needing to undo a lot of those plans as the reality of COVID and travel bans sunk in. And we realized we're not going to those countries anymore. And (laughs) and if I can just add, even beforehand, there were some times where we found we needed to adjust things along the way. So this was something that we were kind of observing and and COVID was just like the grand ultimate, like here, like if you haven't figured it out by now, here you go. You need to be flexible if you're going to travel long term. Otherwise, you'll be really stuck with a very rigid plan that you might not be ultimately quite as happy with. Stephanie, it's not just flexibility with your travel plans, but flexibility with your finances, too. It sounds like that really is the keyword nowadays with maybe our futures not as certain as we thought they were. Absolutely. So that was something, you know, in a way that kind of gets into some issues around risk management. And, you know, we were we were thinking back to when we were actually planning our early retirement and our financial independence. And it's so nice then you're so innocent and you think, oh, let's let's talk about risk management in theory, because of course we don't we're not gonna need to worry about this stuff. So not only did we have to worry about a recession, but we also had to worry about something that no one anticipated, which is a global pandemic. So now we're living in the reality of risk management and it and and boy, are we happy that we thought it through and had a plan in place, but we truly never expected to be leaning on it quite so hard. So um, we're we're grateful that we that we were conservative and you know we made you know like our, our safety net and we, we had options and scenarios, but truly never expected to have to like put it into action so much. It's funny, I've heard it said multiple times that when you are building your mountain of wealth, you spend a lot of time talking about increasing income and side hustles, etc. And if you're smart, once you get to the top of that mountain of wealth, you spend the rest of your time worrying about risk management and risk mitigation. And I certainly have found that in my life, and it sounds like you guys have too. Jillian, round this out for me a little bit. If there are people out there watching our Freedom Years who are looking to take a similar path to what you guys have, what do you think is the most important thing to keep in mind, especially given what you've lived through in the last three or four months when it comes to this nomadic, slow travel lifestyle? 
think that there's no one size fits all for how how to be a nomad. For for some people, it could mean living a year in each place. It could be multiple years, or it could be fast travel. So the first thing is for people to really think about what what they want, and maybe even try a few different things on for size. Um, you know, you might want periods of short faster travel or, or slower travel. I will say in light of the current events, uh, if I dare say, I think slow travel is going to be the way to go for quite some time. But I guess the earlier part of what I said was more for, for down the road. But uh, I guess then the other piece of it is maybe what Stephanie had already brought up, just to think beyond all the excitement of the travel planning. You know, you need to think through the whole financial side, what it's going to look like for you on the road. And, you know, what are the, the things that you need to have in place financially to make sure that you feel secure and equipped to deal with whatever should happen in your life along the road. This is Stephanie and Jillian from Our Freedom Years. You can find them on YouTube. Check them out and subscribe. Three months ago, we chatted while they were in Lake Cuomo, Italy. Today, it's Toronto, Canada. Who knows where it will be six months from now, but I hope to be able to talk to you guys then. Stephanie and Jillian, thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. It was awesome speaking with you today. And safe travels. So I, I was saying, I think that's good. I, I think you're known for your penetrating questions. So <laughs> yeah. I, I try to to really get a sense for who you are and, and the things you're about before I get you on the show. Now, you guys, again, happen to also be in the midst of a whirlwind, which creates an interesting story, too. But um, hopefully I was able to get across kind of what you guys are about and uh what's really in your wheelhouse for everyone to hear. But I think it went really well. I think it's going to turn out well. The sound issues, I think I'm going to be able to edit and clean. So I think it'll sound oh, okay. fine. Okay, great. So I think okay, it should excellent. come out okay. There were here and there occasionally where your voices would go out, but I think with creative editing, I'll be able to make it sound good. Oh, okay. Great. Excellent. Well, it was absolutely a pleasure. Thanks for having us. Oh, it was fun to have you on. And, uh, you know, whenever I get people on that I don't know, it's always like a dice roll, right? Because some people are just naturals on the mic and then other people can't get a full sentence out. So you guys definitely could speak very cleanly and clearly about what you believe. And that makes my job a lot easier. <laughs> so <laughs> you care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.